Hey everyone, welcome to Outside the Walls. My name is John White. I'm Casey McDonald. And today we are joined by Matt Love. Matt is the preacher for the BB Church of Christ. Uh, he was the youth minister there for five years and then now has been preaching for over six years. Um, and Matt, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. It's a <laughs> privilege to be here with you too. Get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, excited about sure. that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, uh, Matt, we uh, we were talking just a little bit before the show, but um, if you don't mind sharing with us, how old are you? 32. And you started preaching for BB when you were? I was 26. Okay. Yeah. So that, I mean, I, I can, I, I think I can speak for Churches of Christ. That's pretty uh, unprecedented. We, we don't typically hire guys your age for preaching. Can you kind of talk to us a little bit about maybe how that happened um, at BB and kind of maybe some interesting things that have come about because of you and, and of course, Logan, who came in after you to be the youth minister, also younger than you. Um, very interesting dynamic. So can you talk to us a little bit about what that was like and how that came about and just, just go through that? Yeah, that's interesting. And then you, you've got me thinking a little bit about uh, how many younger people are going straight into preaching in Churches of Christ. And I can think of several who've done that, um, but why there doesn't seem to be just a huge number of those younger people that are enter straight into preaching. I'm going to be thinking about that some. So that's interesting. Um, but yeah, I was um, I started there when I was 21, I think, in 2010 started working with a youth group and there was a transition in 2015 where the preacher who was there left um, this vacancy for preaching and um, and that's the that's the time when I was hired that pro during that process and it was an interesting process um, for me personally um, and I appreciate you asking because it gives me some time to reflect on it and just kind of walk back through my memories of mm -hmm. it um, you know I never I don't think I ever really saw myself preaching um, not until around that time and it's interesting now I'm actually studying preaching in a doctoral program and so I've kind of gone all in with it um, which is you know when I look back it's only a recent sort of thing that I've I've gone all in with preaching because before when I was at Harding I was a missions major and then I got into youth ministry um, and eventually I wound up in preaching and I think a lot of that process for me and I hope I'm answering your question so stop me or no, re reroute me if I'm you know lost or whatever um, but um, it was a process of getting to preach some um, for our church feeling affirmed in that when I had opportunity to preach um, and uh, then just thinking about praying about my own calling and how God was uh, equipping me and, and giving me talents and education and all of that and leading me toward doing that work uh, as opposed to youth ministry or missions or, or something like that. Um, so it was, it was a period of discernment and I think I had to credit the church a lot for that, for um, helping confirm uh, gifts from God for me and that's what I would I think recommend to um, anyone going into ministry is to uh, you know not just spend time alone in prayer listening for the voice of God calling you know you into something but to spend time in the church with people who can recognize gifts and say this is what you're good at this is what God is we think God is calling you to do 
but yeah, I was 26. And um, so when I was hired then, I was I had been the youth minister. So then we needed another youth minister. That's when Logan Thompson was was hired. Um, and he was, I don't know how old he was, but younger than I was, 26. Um, our other staff member was a secretary and uh, she kind of brought up the median uh, age. Uh, she was a little bit older. I won't say how old, but uh, she's so sweet. We still have her. Uh, her name's Joan and we all love Joan. Um, but yeah, two, I mean, the two ministers were both in their 20s uh, for a few years. And that was interesting. And uh, how exactly that worked in a church of 200 and some people. Um, and I think um, the reason it worked was because there's a strong community at BB and also the elders and their wives and that leadership team is uh, really active and supportive. And because there was such a strong eldership um, that I think allowed them to have the freedom to to hire someone so young and inexperienced, honestly. Yeah, I mean, what are maybe some uh, like advantages or things that you noticed or some disadvantages that you noticed because you, you guys had a younger uh, staff, especially the two guys that are traditionally kind of the face of the congregation. Um, what what were some things that you guys noticed because of how young you were? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, one of those is um, initially, at least, this was my perception, and I wouldn't want to name names or or assume too much, but. The people that I felt were most in my corner when I was hired as a very young person were either younger people or um, the very old, much older people. And I think there was a middle-aged group there that was a lot, if there was a category of people that were skeptical of a young minister, for whatever reason, it, I felt like it was the middle-aged group. Huh. Um, so like age, maybe 35 to 55, that kind of um bulk of people, which is which was always curious to me for whatever reason. But it was, I felt a ton of support for people who were, you know, retirement age or beyond or whatever. Um, and I think, and then, you know, over time, I think most folks have um, been okay with, I'm not, I don't want to toot my own horn or whatever, but have well, warmed up to there. the, I'm still there, right? Yeah. So that's a good, that's a good proof. But I think most people have come around to saying, okay, well, you know, maybe Matt wasn't the worst hire that we could have done or whatever <laughs> as a young person. So that would include all those ages, even if there's some outliers there within whatever categories. But um, so with that, I think there is an opportunity for um, people to feel like they're raising a minister. And I heard that language a lot, and um, I didn't really take that much offense to it. I was going to say that. Does that not kind of offend you a little bit? Like, okay, thanks. Yeah, (laughs) Um, patronizing or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, and and uh, you know they they would say it warmly and kindly, and um, but some of the older members were talking about raising raising this minister, Hmm. and um, I think that when you're that young. To some, to some degree, there's fewer, I don't want to say fewer expectations that I, you know, could not do the job and people say, well, I guess it doesn't really matter. But I guess maybe there's a, a wider margin of error and mm. more support system there that people I felt have been less quick to judge and quicker to um, support and help. More mm. like parents, more like um, seeing me as a child or a grandchild of 
um, doing what they can to really support me. So I think there's an opportunity there of when there's a younger minister, it, it somehow I think involves, if this makes sense, kind of the entire church more emotively, like they just feel connected and say, hey, this is one of our own. And of course he's 26 and he doesn't know, you know what he's doing and he's not experienced and he needs help. But this is on all of us to make sure that this person succeeds and his family succeeds um, and his children succeed and all of that. So um, I think that's one opportunity that um, being hired young presents. Huh. That's interesting because I, I think the traditional model is usually like we see the youth minister, like that's the kid that we're raising to, you know, oh, well, someday he'll... I don't know yes. what graduate right. or you know become yeah, almost a, like become it's a, a real minister. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean. Well, like they that said language. it then too. They said it when I was. <laughs> they've not stopped saying it. So, it just, so that, I mean, that's the the traditional sort of path that a lot of guys take is sometimes they're in ministry and maybe an associate role or a youth ministry role, and and then they end up preaching. So, you're kind of saying that they took that as like, hey, we we want to see this guy succeed, and we know he's young, and that's that's intentional, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And I've felt that for the last five, six years now, um, specifically. So so you mentioned that that middle age group that was uh, somewhat skeptical. Uh, what would you say? Was there an intentional approach to uh, trying to build relationships with that with that group or did it just kind of happen with time? How did that come about? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think. I think that it really just happened with time. Um, for a younger person to be hired, I mean, I was, I have, I feel like I'm fairly aware of my limitations and things I'm not good at. And if you guys ask me, name 10 things that you're not good at, I could tell you within, you know, 20 seconds. Right, well, that's the next question. <laughs> I'm ready, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty self-critical. There's just, I think that I'm fairly self-aware and, um, so like part of it is just recognizing, hey, these people have a point. I mean, it's not all just bias and negativity. Like I am a young person and there's a lot of things I don't know. And to hire somebody in their 40s or their 50s or whatever, you know, would have other benefits. So part of it was just being, um, trying to be humble enough at least to recognize, hey, there's something to this. And with any kind of, um, any position, you know, you've got to earn it and stay in it. And, um, and it's not just a matter of making a good first impression or saying the right things, uh, but it's, it's just being in it and sticking with it and working hard in it. Yeah. There's probably no better way to diffuse a critic than for them to give a criticism and be like, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> like how, and all, all of a sudden, like it takes all the steam out of there. That's their right. So, yeah, that's a, and you know, for someone who's older, you know, if, again, a hire of a 40 year old or a 50 year old or something, you know, there's benefits to that, but there's also drawbacks to that. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think any age that you would hire a young minister to, to do whatever ministry, um, there's benefits and advantages to that. Definitely. When I think back to like starting here, we were, we were talking about this with uh, Luke Dockery over at Cloverdale last week. And I was like, when I think back to being 24 and getting hired as a youth minister, like <laughs> how I got hired, why I got hired, you know, it, it's just, it's all part of God's plan. But I, I just, I definitely am like, man, me at 24, there's so much of a difference between me at 24 and me at now 10 years later. 
You know, I'm like, how do, how do we make that through? But traditionally, we want our preacher to kind of already be that that guy that's in his 40s and 50s that has that life experience ahead, uh, you know, sort of behind him. Um, right. I've so, heard I've heard that the ideal candidate, I, I forget who I've heard this from, the ideal preaching candidate or whatever is like 35 years old with 20 years of experience right. <laughs> and, you know, three kids or whatever. And, Three like, kids. Okay, so yeah. this person doesn't exist. And I, I think that that's, I think they're, you know, that's, there's one of the reasons why I am very proud of, of our church at BB is that mindset. Um, because if there aren't churches that are willing to take a risk and put in the work to, to raise, quote unquote, raise ministers, um, hire young ministers and work with them, then who's going to do it? Um, there has to be churches that do that. And I don't think it's just for tiny churches in the boondocks. And I think sometimes we think, okay, let, let those young ministers kind of cut their teeth there and then they'll mm-hmm. be ready for bigger churches or whatever. I think that all churches um, should have a mentality like that. Yeah. What do you think is the, in your experience, how can a church, and not necessarily somebody that's on staff like you've been and they've helped you along like you've described, but how can churches develop ministers amongst their kids that are growing up, even even guys that maybe have graduated high school and don't really know a direction for their life. How can how can the church um, maybe look to guide these guys uh, and girls into a life of ministry? Wow, that's a that's a million dollar question right there. (laughs) That's a hard one. Um, And we're we're I mean, I still feel like we're trying to figure that out at BB, um, and I, I noticed that um, very um, kind of acutely in the college age group, and you guys probably face that here more than we do because you're in Searcy and have a lot of college students that, that come here, but uh, what I hear from college students is they're looking for opportunities, and I don't always know what that looks like, um, and trying to figure out how we get those people plugged in and get them to serve and, and build them up. Um, but I would say my number one answer for a college age student or someone who wants to grow and serve is that that starts with being a part of the church. Um, that starts with being present and coming to small groups and coming to different services and service opportunities and helping when there's a need and just, just, I say just, just being a member of the church, being a, a full, full on member of the church is where I think all of that begins. And there's no kind of um, shortcut to that, that, well, I can just do ministry or train me for mm-hmm. ministry, kind of this, uh, we talk, you know, Mickey Mouse here kind of thing with, with youth ministry, right? right? But like the same with, I don't know, with ministry, that you can't just kind of float off as an island and grow and then and then come and serve the church sort of as an appendage or something onto the body, but you really have to be part of it uh, to be within the body in order to serve the body. Well, it's interesting that you, you know, you, you brought up this idea of expectations because that's something that Luke also talked about. Um, you know, we, when we hire youth ministers, we typically are looking for this certain demographic of guy, right? Because in a traditional model, we need that guy to, to be a lot of things and to do a lot of things. And then our reflection on that was like, that's a tall order. Like that's a, that's a very difficult uh, person to find because you're asking a lot of that. Is there a sense that like, Churches really need to, I don't, I don't want to say lower expectations, but set a different standard for how they go about hiring 
any position, but especially a preaching position to maybe think about, we know from the get-go that this guy is not going to be a 35-year-old with 20 years of experience, right? That he, he's, he's going to be someone that we're going to shape and mold and that there's some benefit to that. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Okay, say the question one more time. So like, how can a, a how can churches change their expectations uh, to maybe sort of think about things from uh, um, we're developing what we want to see, not hiring what we want to see? Okay. Well, boy, these are good questions. And I'll, <laughs> I'll be honest, I just, some of these are like uh, new for me to think about from, from the other side of it, you mm. know, instead of as one who was hired, uh, being one who's thinking about hiring or whatever, you know, mm -hmm. as a yeah. church board or a eldership or whatever. Um, so, I mean, the first thing that I thought of, which I don't know if it actually answers your question, is just the realization of the church that ministry is a very difficult thing. And it is a very difficult thing to do well. And I think the longer that I'm in it, the more that becomes clear. That, you know, younger when I was, I mean, I'm still young, but when I was 10 or 12 years younger doing this, um, very idealistic and felt like it was kind of simple. I just had to press these buttons and do these things and and boom, you know, you change lives and, you know, grow the church <laughs> and all, the, all these things that you wanted to do but thought they would just come overnight and, and simply and easily. Um, but I think for churches to recognize that it is a just arduous process of growing into ministry and serving and sticking with it, um, I think just appreciating that, that a little bit more would maybe be the first step. That um, it's not a matter only of you know, did you get some sort of Bible education or whatever, but um, there's just a lot, there's a lot more to it that would help a person to grow, to be a minister that, that churches want to be proud of. So yeah. part of that, I guess, is putting the, the onus on the church of like, you are responsible for this. And, um, and you mentioned, Casey, just a moment ago, raising younger people to be ministers. And what does that look like? And I know, you know, lads leaders or leadership training for Christ or those sorts of things. Um, how do we get our, our young people not just to have fun in church and to have a pleasant experience, but to grow up and feel like responsible for, for the church and, and take care of it and serve and those things. Um, so, yeah, I think it I think a lot of it starts with with churches really taking ownership of that process. And it may look like you're raising a minister for another church down the road. You know, maybe it's one of your young people who go serves you know, in another state or something. Mm. But every church, um, I think, ought to be part of that process and see themselves as part of that process, because we can't outsource that work to Harding or HST or other colleges or other or expect other churches to do that for us. So that we reap, you know, the harvest, their harvest. Right. All of us are in this. Um, and that may, you know, we may, I don't know. I'm from Ohio. I ended up in Arkansas. So BB had no part in raising me before I got there at age 20, 22. Um, but, um, but they have since then. And, uh, and, and they've, I, I look at BB and they've raised other people who are still there serving, doing, doing awesome work. So. That's really neat. I, I, it's interesting to me that you're kind of reflecting on, too, the Harding experience. I, I went to Harding as well, youth and family ministry major. And when I think about my first you know, couple of years in youth ministry at 24, 
there were definitely like the skill set I did not have to be a minister. I, I had biblical knowledge. I had biblical training, but there's a, there's sort of a gap there. And I'm not, it, this is not a, 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 a negative reflection on Harding because they said, we want to teach you scripture so that when you enter in that workplace, they're going to teach you and, and be the place where you learn a lot of these ministry skills. So I think that's really interesting for churches, maybe to get that perspective on you're not hiring a guy who spent four years, you know, only taking youth ministry or preaching classes, right? Developing that skill uh, as a minister, they took a lot of biblical knowledge. Now it's their time to start to learn some of those ministry skills. Uh, and your job is to help them learn them. Yes. And be patient. <laughs> and as you both know, there are just so many things you just don't learn in the classroom and mm-hmm. you can't. You can't. And I think, you know, earlier on, I, you know, had again, graduating and you do like your exit interviews and those things, which somehow I skipped mine. But like <laughs> that whole process of like thinking about your education and what's missing. And I think one of the categories of classes that we're hardest on are those ministry classes of like, well, why don't you teach me this, this and this and this? Mm-hmm. And maybe there's some adjustments that can be made in those classes, but the truth of it is you really can't learn these things without the experience. And I would also just encourage like church leaders, and, and I can say this because I've, I've experienced it and received it from BB, from leaders there. Um, I don't know who listens to this podcast, if it's just your church or other people no, too. It's, it's but, out there for anybody. Okay. So yeah. I'm, not just, I'm not just pointing the finger at Westside because yeah, yeah. I don't know how, how the leadership works here. But raising the minister is, um, yeah, it's something that's that's bigger than like the ministry silo of like Casey or John or Matt. Like the church is raising the human being, the person, and I've experienced that at BB. But um, it's it's this it's a holistic, I guess, understanding of the person who isn't just uh, you know we're just trying to help John be a better minister. But it's we're in the process of that. But also, we want John to be a better husband and uh, Christ follower. And it's a it's kind of a holistic um, view of our maturation as people. Um, and that's I think what churches need to can do. And and what I've experienced at BB how how BB has supported me through difficult times, mm. uh, been community friendship to me beyond just you know, direct emphasis, like direct helping of my ministry, if that makes sense, what I'm kind of getting at. So I'm interested to hear about kind of how your philosophy of ministry maybe has evolved, changed, because whenever you first started at BB, you were in youth ministry and now you're in preaching and now you're even working on a doctorate as you, as you described in preaching. And so uh, how would you describe how your, I guess, philosophy of ministry has changed or has it stayed the same throughout this process? Wow. <laughs> this is like, that's like a paper I would write or something. Right, yeah. so it's, <laughs> and spend a month thinking about. Or what, maybe what would you add to your philosophy of ministry? I mean, what, what's something that you've discovered being a younger preacher that you would say, hey, this, this needs to be something, this not only has become a part of my philosophy, but also is something valuable for lots of other preachers to hear young or old. Yeah. So there, that's, man, what a good question. And, and, um, I think I could answer that about 20 different ways, but, um, you know, at least one of the things I've been learning now and reflecting on now is, uh, what it looks like to find my specific voice. And I don't just mean preaching voice, um, but my own, I guess, place in ministry. 
And what I'm coming to realize more after 10 years of ministry and almost six years of preaching is that uh, I can't do everything. Um, and I, th- I, I suspect that that is a, sp- a particular temptation at a church the size of BB. Um, that it may not be, I don't know, I don't have this experience, but I'm just kind of wondering here. If I was at a church preaching a church of, let's say, 2,000 people, mm. um, that I imagine that it would be a little easier to know my place and my rule and like, this is what you're to do. Um, and this is, we have, you know, a, a staff of 30 people that are doing these other things. A place like BB is a medium-sized congregation of 200 something people, and it's tempting, it was at least five years ago and still is, for me to think of myself as having to do everything, whether that's administration or, um, you know, counseling and visiting and leadership and wonderful preaching and teaching and like doing all of these, wearing all of these hats and juggling all these balls and doing them all just perfectly. And some of that expectation is just something I put on myself, but um, I'm coming to see like, you just, I mean, you can do all of those things when you need to, but you're not going to be able to do all of those things super well. And every minister that I look at who's successful, um, can maybe do is competent in many of those areas, but probably has one or two things that they really excel in. And so uh, I guess recognizing my own limitations is one of the things that I've been learning. Um, And along with that, not comparing myself Mm. to people, um, because, you know, if that first part is true, that there is maybe one or two things that I need to excel in and pour my energy into without neglecting other things that I that I need, that I need to get done, um, then that means that those one or two things aren't going to look just like this other person. And to compare myself to this other person who has their one or two things, you know, at this other church or whatever, um, just isn't fair to me. That God is uh, has equipped me to be uh, unique and to serve in this church uniquely. And to compare myself to to other people really robs a lot of energy and joy from yeah. from the ministry. Do you think that comparison game is maybe amplified because of your age? I mean, do you think like a younger guy working is more apt to do that than say someone who's who who's experienced who's been there for in ministry for 30, 40 years? You know, are they more apt to kind of get that already, or is that part of that learning process? Well, I would like to say that it's it's uh, temporary and that eventually, you know, somebody matures to the point where they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm gifted like this and uh, I'm content and I know my place. But I suspect that it's a challenge for everybody. Yeah, it's a challenge to I would I would suspect that even older people would perhaps look at certain younger ministers and say, boy, if I only had started then, if I had only, you know, gotten that training or had that support or those opportunities or made those decisions, um, and then you feel like, wow, this person has, you know, done these things and they get these speaking engagements or they, you know, get these kind of accolades and what do I have? You know, I think even for older ministers, it would be a temptation to compare to. So that's just me. Hmm. speculating but yeah i don't think it ever my hunch would be it never necessarily goes away even though i hope that at one point i fully grow out of it 
I'm not sure it will. So you mentioned your doctor of ministry. I'm, I'm curious whenever people ask, well, you know, you're already our preacher. You know, why do you need a, a doctorate uh, specifically yeah. towards preaching? So uh, what does that look like? What are, are you are you studying something specifically about it? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I started a, it's a PhD program at Baylor. So some people are confused why I'm studying at a Baptist university, but uh, <laughs> they're good folks down there in Waco. So uh, it's a new program and I started right when I finished my MDiv. And um, it's uh, one of the reasons why I chose that one was because there weren't, um, there weren't a lot of PhD programs in preaching that were that you didn't have to move there, you know, move to mm. Waco or move to wherever the school is. And so this one allows me to study from home and travel down there when I need to for classes. And so that flexibility was a, a big reason why. And then Baylor's got a great reputation. And so I thought that's going to be good education. Um, what was the question? Why, <laughs> oh, why do that? Yes. Okay. So um, I think a large part of it for me is self-improvement and it's not, um, it's not primarily aimed at like a promotion or a pay raise or whatever, yeah. um, that kind of end. But it's again, recognizing like I, I do have a hunger for self-improvement and for learning and growing. And um, so at this point it seemed like a good decision to pursue more of that um, at this stage of my life and kind of knock it out before kids get older and all mm -hmm. of that. Um, but that, it kind of, I think the main thing is, is self-improvement for the sake of the church that, um, and, and actually I just, I told I was reflecting with one of my teachers just a couple of weeks ago down there. And I said, you know, after two years of classes here, the thing I'm learning about preaching is that it's really hard. <laughs> so that's like, that's like been the biggest learning for me is like how much I don't know. And that is, uh, that's probably good. I think that's what education is supposed to feel like. It's like, what are the questions? Okay. I thought I knew all the answers. I don't even think I know the questions yet. So can you guys tell me that please? I'm already in over my head. Yeah. What, what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, You're in the right place. Yes. Right. So that's, that's what it should feel like. So yeah, I think that's, that's, did I answer your question? That's yeah. kind of the, the yeah. gist of it is um, wanting to grow, knowing that I have so much um, so much growth to do. Um, when are you planning on being finished with that program? Yeah, my classes um, will be done next summer, and then I'll have to write a dissertation. Okay. So, do you know specifically what you're going to write on yet? Have you thought about that? Not I don't yet? know yet. Okay. Yeah, there's a couple of ideas, but I haven't nailed it down. Okay. So that's a good question. Thank you for asking that. I need to figure it out. <laughs> Get it on top of your mind. Yeah. <laughs> I was told I was supposed to have it figured out two years ago, but I don't know. I haven't had time to think about it too much. <laughs> you're working. You're not just studying. Um, yeah, right? that's right. I got a lot going on. Yeah. So what what is maybe some advice that you would give to churches um, to maybe help them start to understand this, this growing and minister dynamic. Um, let's say someone's listening and they're like, okay, cool. I, I think that's a great idea. What's maybe some advice that you would give uh, just generally about um, hiring a young minister and, and helping them along? Well, um, I'm thinking of specific people in our church who have supported me. When you ask that question, I think of people's faces who I think have done that really well. And I think it looks like including this person, it looks like um, getting their input. 
on things. Like I think of one of our elders in particular who asks me what I think about things and what I would do in certain situations. And I have a hunch that he's old and wise and smart and he doesn't need me to chime in on this. He knows what I'm going to say or, you know, whatever. But that he asks, you know, and involves me in the the conversation means a lot and is part of that kind of growing. Um, and so, yeah, just including them, our elders have meetings on Monday nights and Sunday mornings. And um, for the most part, I try to be there for those. I've, I've kind of fallen off uh, recently with, with different reasons, but um, yeah, they've always, the door's always open to elders meetings um, for them to involve me in those discussions. Um, part of what helped me get hired as a preacher, by the way, and I think this is kind of assumed in this conversation, is that I was there for five years in youth mm. ministry. So there was a difference and, you know, they didn't just hire me as a 26 year old off, you know, off the street that they didn't know or had a couple good recommendations and said, well, we think this guy can do it. But I had been there for five years. Um, and so I think several people felt like they knew me and, you know, all of that, even though they didn't know what I would do as a preacher because that was a brand new role for me. Yeah. Um, so that relationship, knowing someone, um, going out to eat with them, visiting with them, having them over to your home, uh, including them is kind of a first step. If that helps answer your question at all. Yeah. That's something that, you know, when thinking about, uh, our West sides hiring past, I mean, Casey is our, our newest minister and you were here for four years, right? Before you got hired. Yeah, I was serving as a deacon uh, yeah. before I was hired on as, as staff. Yeah, and certainly that's proven to be a good a good hire. And a, and a yeah. I think w- reflecting on that and what you just said, I think more churches need to look internally first and ask, do we have someone that's kind of already in this realm or thinking about these things or has served in this way before that everyone has appreciated and liked? How can we make a better hire by just saying we already have someone who's here who knows everyone? There's not this you know, honeymoon period, because there is no honeymoon to go on. They already know everyone. They're, they're here, right? Uh, I think that's so, so important. And that trust and relationship, I think, is is one of the biggest pieces. It's mm. not, you know, if you, th- I don't want to say there's only two pieces here, but the trust and relationship versus the education and training. And I know the trend, as far as I can tell, is for churches to look internally, prefer to hire someone that they trust and know and then to get them the education rather than vice versa to hire from outside mm-hmm. someone who has you know a degree or whatever yeah. um, and then say well we'll get to know them um, because trust is so important um, and with trust there's so many different parts of that but just knowing them you know knowing that they're gonna be trustworthy person uh, in your church and your church community um, and get the job done and work hard and all of that and that's something that you don't always know when you hire someone you know cold with yeah. a degree. Yeah. How would you encourage somebody that um, might be looking for a life direction and they're kind of tinkering with the idea of getting into ministry, whether it's uh, youth ministry or preaching and, um, you know, whether they're in college or getting ready to go to college, how would you encourage somebody uh, that 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 would be a positive route for their life? Okay, ask the question again. I was thinking one thing until the very last. <laughs> the very last. <laughs> How would you encourage somebody that might be flirting with the idea of getting into ministry? They think that might be something that they would like to pursue. Okay, so encourage them to go into ministry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what's some advice maybe you'd give them? Yeah, well, um, 
Okay, I am, even with my last comment notwithstanding, um, I'm a very big believer of education and degrees. So obviously I'm still, I'm still going to school. My wife said something the other day, like, you've been in school since you were five and you haven't stopped yet. So it's like no breaks. I've had like a semester or two off, but she's like, when is this going to end? So, so no, I'm, I obviously love education and I believe in it. And, um, and I think it's really important in our churches I remember teachers, you know, John Fortner was one that I can remember, Old Testament. You remember mm-hmm. John Fortner? Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, I remember one time in class, he said, um, if you're going to be in ministry and, um, you know, really long term, his suggestion was that you get a Bible degree and even go on and get a master's degree. Um, he saw education as just this vital component to uh, to ministry. So I, you know, I know plenty of ministers who haven't done that. And, and it's not to say that, that you can't be a minister or a phenomenal minister without education. That's not true. But I just, I do think there's something there. Um, it's not just the knowledge, but it's also the community of people that you're, the network of people, the conversations that you can have, the kind of vulnerability that you can have with those teachers outside of your workspace is so vital. But the other thing that I would say to just to younger uh, people wanting to do ministry is um, either to or to be prepared to um, get in a church and stick with it. Mm. Um, and that can start before you're hired. But there are there is no perfect church. Um, no, you know, there is no ideal church. There's no kind of like perfect, you know, everything is just right, put together, the leadership's perfect or whatever. Every church is going to have problems. And for any of us, and you guys know this better than I do, you've been at this for, you know, over a decade, as we've said, but um, that there are going to be plenty of times, seasons even, in your ministry and in the life of a church that are just really difficult, that that um, you think about quitting, that you think, why am I here? What difference am I making? Um, or it's not just personally and internal, but you think about a, an issue in the church, a problem that's going on, that's been going on about, you know, whatever it is, um, there there will be 10 million reasons to, to quit to hop to another church. And it's not always wrong to do that. But I worry that people in my generation are too quick to hop. And even with church attendance, um, you know, it's not even in ministry. It's just, well, I don't like it here and there's something better else down the road. And I think part of God's sanctification process in us can only happen if we keep our feet in the same place for long enough for him to do something. Mm. And if... If whether as members or as ministers, we um, kind of move at the first sign of trouble every time, then I suspect that God's not going to be able to raise us the way that that He wants to. Yeah, there's some there's some something to be said for growth through difficult processes. I mean, the the most challenging things in your life are often the things that when you get to the other side of them, you feel like you've grown the most needing to learn, needing to change because of whatever that situation is. And yeah, if the answer is always see ya (laughs) and maybe I don't wonder if that contributes to churches desire to find someone who's in their forties and fifties, who has that ministry experience, you know, someone that they think, 
oh, compared to a younger person, they're probably more likely to stick around and work through some of those issues and grow. Um, and some churches, you know, like, I don't know if I want to hire that young guy because he may be flaky, may be like, you know, what we think of. Or um, hasn't seen people. life. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that's and that's a huge piece, right? But there's also plenty of people in their 40s or whatever who have, you know, hopped every couple of years or whatever in ministry. And um, so it's, I guess there's no guarantees on that. Yeah. Well, going back to education for a second, um, you talk a lot about education and I'm big proponent of that. I I love that. I didn't go on to get a a master's degree. I'm not a master. I'm just a bachelor. Uh, But I I have found it to be true that um, we we talk a lot in ministry about this sort of metaphorical well that you draw from. Um, And really, you don't want that to be something that ever gets dry. Uh, You don't want that to be something that's no longer able to offer water. In fact, you really want for your ministry to come from a place of overflowing, right? And I deeply believe that like, not not just traditional education models, but just being willing to be well-read, to, to, to really keep diving back into the word, diving into other books that are contributing to that, helps sustain a minister over time, helps anyone really over time, but definitely someone who's, who is teaching a lot, who is giving a lot, it's almost doubly important that they continue to draw. So I'm curious, um, what are some things maybe over the last year or through your doctoral program? What are some books? Uh, give us, we always like to ask our guests, like, what are some books maybe you've read in the last couple of years, in the last year or so that have just really stood out to you? You're like, man, that, that, that one hit me hard and really changed a lot of my thinking. Okay. Wow. Well, uh, I wish I would have had a book list um, pulled up <laughs> for you guys. So that's a good, um, that's a good question. So yeah, there's, uh, I've had to read a book or two in my program. <laughs> That's true. Um, I have them on my phone, but I'm not going to pull it out. Um, well, we just, I, you know, I, I don't have a, I can give you a specific list later, but I don't know if it would, we can a, add to a, it. yeah, if it would uh, appeal to our, our listening audience, some of the books that I've been reading. <laughs> um, but just recently, my, my previous class, which is fresh in my mind, we studied, um, the preaching of Augustine and John Chrysostom. And those are both fourth, fifth century guys, um, you know, early church fathers. And, uh, you know, Augustine more so in the West, our, our tradition, and then Chrysostom more in the Eastern church. And I didn't, uh, I knew more about Augustine than I did about Chrysostom. Um, but uh, that was a very beneficial class. Um, and, and I think just a, Two things, two things with that. One is um, reading sermons has been very valuable to me. And you guys probably listen to sermons or podcasts mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. And I know for me, maybe it's just as a preacher, but that really fills me up. Is There's something about listening to the word preached well that that is such a blessing any day of the week. And I know Timothy Keller, for instance, is one of my favorites um, that I like to listen to, but there's plenty of others. But reading sermons, um, and there are sermons by John Chrysostom and St. Augustine and, um, you know, that, that are, there's hundreds and hundreds of these. Um, and they're, to read them, yeah, they're not always right, right? Those guys, mm-hmm. and there's things that we disagree with or not catch or whatever, but um, 
they were a blessing to me to read those. Um, as I'm, and the other part of that is is to read old stuff. So like that's you know those works are like 1600 years old, yeah. and and there's a. <laughs> There's kind of this bias today. I mean, I think that we assume in any time period that the most recent stuff is the best stuff. That stuff that just came out in 2020 or 2021, yeah. uh, this article or this book or this thing at this the, the, the Bible bookstore or whatever, that's the book that I have to read. That's the next thing that's out. And um, that can be good to be abreast of those you know works. But... Um, Boy, the ones that have stood the test of time, uh, there's something to be said there. The other the other uh, collection of sermons I've been working through that I have just loved is by Fred Craddock. And I know there's a lot of haters on old Fred, but uh, his inductive method and the way that he preaches, and, and it's very different than how a lot of our, our preachers preach. Um, but he was reared in Disciples of Christ, which is a kind of cousin movement of mm-hmm. Churches of Christ. Um, but I have really been blessed by his, uh, sermons that I've been reading. Um, and that may just surprise you of like, i never would have thought to read a collection of sermons or that sounds like the most boring thing that I could do is to sit down and read through like this collection of 50 sermons or whatever, or 20 something sermons, however many there are, uh, in that collection I'm, I'm looking at. But, um, but boy, I mean, at least Fred Craddock, I just... It would surprise you. There are t- I'm reading through a sermon. I mean, it's it's six pages long. You know, that's it. And um, every sermon that I've read so far in that book has has I've been there's been times when I've laughed, like it's just he's hilarious. And then there's other also times when I'm underlining and like, oh man, that hits that hits hard. So mm. maybe two uh, unusual recommendations there. No, that's great. That's great. Well, uh, Matt. We're so thankful that you've been yeah, on the show sure. today. Thank you for coming and just kind of sharing your experience. Uh, I hope that other churches out there will hear this and go, you know, maybe we need to start to think about how we hire and who we're looking for and consider um, not just hiring someone to fit specifically, you know, this, this 40, 50-year-old experienced guy that we think is going to be perfect, but being more open to raising a minister, someone that will not only be a blessing to us, but be a blessing to future churches that they go on to work at as well. So hopefully that's something we can start to change about uh, church culture a little bit. If you're, if you're hearing that and you're looking for a minister, uh, look, look at your local college, look at into your college class and see if there aren't some guys who maybe could use a little training and, and become a great minister for you. Well, the church in BB is blessed to have you, yeah. and we're blessed to have you today, and thank you so much for your time. Very yeah. humbling and an honor to be with you. Thank you. Yeah, and we hope all of you guys have a wonderful day as well.